What makes life worth living here on Earth so that by the time our lives ended, we'd know that we had loved enough, contributed enough, and lived our best lives? Within our 13.8 billion year story, we can actually see where we come from, where we are now, and get a sense and understanding of where we could be going. With the advancement of technology and the influence of climate change and economic shifts and changes and so much more affecting the way we live today, I want to ask you if you were given an opportunity to create a whole new paradigm, one that held your most important and sacred values, what would those values be? Well, let's find out what people all over the world are doing to shape the future and the new world that they'd like to live into. I'm T-Bird Love, and I'd like to welcome you to New World Voices. This is a podcast of global voices offering you skills, tools, and leadership for a sustainable co-creative society based on eco-responsibility and human connection. Hello, welcome to New World Voices, everybody. I am T-Bird Love, and I'm your host. And today we have an incredible Renaissance woman sitting here next to me. I'm really thrilled. I'm not that old, T. <laughs> she's definitely not, but she's in terms of Renaissance. <laughs> I'm only 51. Don't age me like that. I'm right behind you. Okay. So, <laughs> but in terms of Renaissance, I'm, I, I'm all flustered because in all honesty, the ability to sit across from someone who is more than just, you know, someone who's moving things forward, creating a new world, who's involved in climate change. You're also involved in spirituality, consciousness. You're a mom. You're someone who's really inspiring and, and moving forward. China, you're greening it. You're this incredible woman who's like at this incredible moment of evolution. And I'm able to take a shower almost every day. <laughs> That, now that's pretty amazing. Yeah, right. That's pretty amazing. That's right. Yes, and what high I five. love, super high five. And what I love so most about you in this moment, and everybody, see, I'm lucky, is watching how this incredible woman who's done so much uh, for the planet, for companies, for her children, for me, has a really great sense of humor, and it's just growing and growing, and I'm watching it grow, <laughs> especially as we talk about. Oh my God! One of the last things that I remember you saying is. I'm done looking at the world in this sort of apocalyptic way. I'm looking at what's possible. And I feel like even this is such a great segue into our conversation because I feel like in terms of creating oh, a wait, new world. Oh, wait, that's the title of the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> the title, tell us. New World Voices. It is New World Voices. You're the one creating the new world. We are. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about what the new world is. You know, you're up to a lot of good stuff. Like one, we're sitting in Shanghai, everyone, right now. And uh, one of the things that Peggy's known here for, just one of the things, is that she's greening China through food. And I am really excited for her to talk a little bit about what that looks like, as well as her program, Juice, and how food is love. I really love that. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love food? There's a few strange people who don't like chocolate. But, I mean, otherwise, everybody loves food, right? Mm-hmm. So it's actually a great gateway to talk about all the societal ills that we have. And actually, there's this guy named David Nabarro. Mm-hmm. He used to be the head of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. They call him Special Envoy. And he said in 2017, twice at the UN when I was there in New York with him, that food education is the single intervention or action or solution 
that can help achieve all of the 17 global goals, which were, you know, all signed up to achieve by 2030. It's a huge mm-hmm. goal. And how are we going to get there? Not everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But I look at things like acupressure points when I look at change making. Okay. Right. So that's, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. I try to change the world, at least at China scale. Mm-hmm. And so far, we've been able to do it five times. So I'm sort of getting into a rhythm of what works and what you need to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of these main things to learn is how do you identify acupressure points, which hopefully that's self-evident or, you know, it makes sense when I say that. So if you look at food education, if that's the single intervention that helps you achieve all of the 17 global goals, then the first thing that we should be doing is putting resources behind food education. Mm -hmm. Now, unlike different things, for example, climate change solutions, it's not a political red or blue or young or old or purple and yellow skin color type of, Mm -hmm. you know, divided, Mm -hmm. polarized world. Everybody eats food, right? Multiple times a day. And actually somebody pointed out to me that this is the most intimate act that you do with your body and actually soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of getting people to be a little bit more mindful about how they're growing their food, how they are preparing the food and sharing, how they are disposing of that food. So if we do that, actually, we'll find that it creates healthy families and a healthy planet. And so if you, you know, if we go down the discussion of what are the new beliefs that we need for the new world, I think one of the major things is that humans are nature. Mm -hmm. we're We're not just like humans and nature or we're... We're part of nature. Like we, we, are, we are nature. All beings are equally alive. And so this type of shift uh, can, I think, best be communicated by just looking at our food systems. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at this intimate act, then you think, oh, what am I putting into my mouth? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. like an act of self-love mm-hmm. or self-hate. And then what is the food that I'm sharing with you? Like I just gave you a cup of my fresh homemade almond milk. And that's like, I love you. Uh And I'm giving you something that I just made. Yeah. Right? This has like elements of my love. And you're drinking it. I'm drinking it. And we're happy together. Yeah. Because it tastes so good. Right? It really does. You know, in, in, in all very groundedness in this is that it's very true what we put in our body is a reflection of how we feel about ourselves and so you know when you talk about how we are nature and how this is some kind of like sacred act of what we what are we actually putting in our mouths I feel like you know there's a part of us right now you know why is this so important now in the sustainability goals well we're dealing with climate change but instead of doing it as a political move I think something that really stands out for me is how you're talking about just on a level of values, valuing of life, valuing of self, and how food is the gateway to understanding that value of oneself and our connection with nature. Because it's not about, you know, what country you come from or what color you are or what religion you are. It's about valuing your life by putting healthy things into your body. 
So I guess my question is, is like, there's two things because one, you know, I'm here and I've been watching you literally develop juice um, and food heroes, actually food heroes. And I'd love for you to talk a bit more about that. But what's so absolutely inspiring is, is how you've been able to create this incredible food education program here in China, bringing about awareness that's not only about, hey, I'm going to put healthy food in my mouth, but you even mentioned just now sharing and how it relates to nature, which is a wonderful gateway into understanding and valuing nature. Well, so back to your point about environment and nature, the reason why JUICE as an environmental organization decided to focus solely on food heroes, a food program, Mm -hmm. which some people might say, well, that's either an education bucket or nutrition bucket. One is, if I might substitute the word that you use, values, with just love, Mm -hmm. right? We are, in our essence, just love. Mm -hmm. And actually, love is all there is, and everything else is an absence of it, right? It's a block of it. So... Food heroes, if you believe that humans are nature, we're all equally alive, then if we harm nature, we're harming ourselves. This is back to the self-love, right? But if we take care of how we grow and dispose of food, then we're loving nature and we're loving ourselves. So it sort of all comes back to us and us is everybody or we are all one, right? This concept. So um, I think that's really important just to bring it back to you know my, my programming days we we say kiss mm-hmm. keep it simple stupid right <laughs> I, I, love don't know, it. I don't know if other people use that but <laughs> did you guys get that keep it simple stupid I know, that's a, maybe that's only a programming <laughs> term I don't know um so so the other reason why this is really important is because food is 30 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions it's the single largest source that is creating climate change, right? Man-made climate change. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop thinking of solutions for climate change just as solar and wind. It's actually in our hands mm-hmm. or our mouth <laughs> and in our soil. Mm-hmm. It's our food systems. It's also um, the biggest user of drinkable water. So 70% of our water goes into agriculture, drinkable water. And if you've been paying any attention, we're running out of water, mm-hmm. right? So there, we're, we're in deep doo-doo when mm-hmm. it comes to drinkable water. You see this in India, actually. It's pretty scary in Africa and a lot of, lot of places. I think um, Syria, Afghanistan, all those Middle Eastern places that are des- desertifying. Yeah. I mean, it, cause of conflict actually starts with lack of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look at the amount of plastic pollution in our oceans, actually almost all of it is food-related plastic. Straws, plates, forks, um, you know, cups, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the reason why JUICE, my organization, an environmental organization, has moved towards teaching kids how to eat and and really whole families how to eat in a way that's good for them and good for the planet is because food is the biggest source of damage right now Mm -hmm. that we're, you know, it's the the biggest footprint on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's also the, the thing that's most in our control, right? We don't have control over solar farms and wind turbines as a consumer. We don't, right? Mm -hmm. So food heroes basically came out of this realization. And then we said, okay, well, we need to shift the way that we eat. 
it's not that big of a leap to think that we can do that in China because actually we have in the last generation completely changed the way that we eat. So the way that Americans eat like big slabs of protein or steaks is not how Chinese ate a generation ago. We eat meat in condiments, slivers on top of our rice or noodles or, um, you know, rou song, like pork. They call it floss, which I don't know. That's a terrible mm-hmm. translation, but whatever. I mean, it's seasonings. It's not huge slabs of protein, mm-hmm. right? And we actually didn't drink coffee. And with coffee comes milk, right? Yeah, with we, cow, yeah. We didn't yeah. actually drink milk. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm lactose tolerant. I think most Asians mm-hmm. are lactose intolerant. So it's not a natural thing for us to, to drink. So in one generation, we went from uh, starving, essentially, mm-hmm. eating grass and bark and like a lot of yams and or starving mm-hmm. right this is my parents generation mm-hmm. to now we have an overabundance of everything on the streets right you can in Taobao and you basically yeah. order you can get anything, anything within half an hour here yeah. and that's pretty scary right and of course it's wrapped in tons of plastic whether or not you want it I mean that's how they deliver it so um so so food heroes to change behavior of a generation, first of all, it's not that hard in China because we've done it in one generation mm-hmm. the wrong way. But two, you have to start with young children when their dietary habits haven't yet set. So mm-hmm. to answer your question about why kids ages five to nine, we are focused there because they haven't yet stopped being curious. They haven't just followed their peers and what to eat mm-hmm. or just bought whatever's convenient, uh, you know, off the street mm-hmm. or started demanding lollipops, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're still like, you know, okay, if my, my parent or teacher says, wow, look at this rainbow of beautiful <laughs> foods. What is this purple food? What is this blue food? What is this green food? You're going to be like, what is that, mom? How cool, <laughs> yeah. you know? What is that pomegranate, you know? So, so they're still curious and full of joy, and that's when you want to catch capture them and open the world of real foods, of plant-based foods, of healthy foods to them before they're like, oh, I just want something that's wrapped like a mummy mm-hmm. or is in a box like a coffin, yeah. right? So um, <laughs> fake foods, what we call fake yeah, foods. Yep, 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 totally. You know, it, it makes a lot of sense um, to connect with the children. And I think something that really sticks out is to be curious and it's funny, as we get older, you know, we get stuck in these habits. And so, you know, it takes time to outgrow habits. So one, Food Heroes is here and it's working with the youth here. But in terms of what you're doing, you're kind of spreading this not only here in China, but you're inspiring lots of different parts of the world. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the vision because not only starting with the youth, but hopefully everyone gets on board if they can get on board and how how can they get inspired by what you're doing to change their habits unless it's all because of crisis or something big that has happened like here like you said in China they went from starving to all of a sudden having a lot of abundance including I think I think you were the one telling me that diabetes was on the rise yeah we have a fifth of the world's population today in China mm-hmm. and a third of the world's diabetics anybody knows that that is 
disproportional to what should be happening. And you you know, walking on the streets, why that is. It's sugary drinks. It's sugary carbs. It's carbs, carbs. Refined carbs. Refined carbs. And I mean, you know, we're living in Shanghai, so there's a lot of access to everything here. It's amazing how when you go from almost not having to having everything, trying to find that equilibrium and balance. And I find the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you said the word curious. And you said being curious as well as you said love. Food is love. What do you imagine is a way where we're not making people feel bad or shameful about having something that they've always wanted or that kind of gives them that hit because sugar and indulgence helps people avoid their emotions or feel like they have more, right? right? Um, So I'm wondering how we can inspire people to, to, to be more curious and to learn how to value that curiosity from a place of love that they can learn from you know, what we're, what you're doing here, um, how to listen to food, how to listen to themselves, how to even take a stand for eating better food. It's funny in our circles, we can understand this. We have this kind of conversation, but someone, you know, Joe Blow, who's going to work every day and trying to put food on his table and how do we reach those people? Well, so more generally, if I were to describe my work, I create societal scale change. That's what I do, and I'm constantly refining my craft. Mm -hmm. And so, you you know, we talked about acupressure point as one of the tips for doing that. Mm -hmm. Another tip is you have to create the global conversation to shift the entire ecosystem. You can't just work in your community, actually. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for this type of change. Mm -hmm. So over and over and over again, what I do is I bring the top most influential people um, in the room or I access them in the rooms that they're in and I whisper and I whisper the same stuff over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you create the vocabulary that you want used on the global stage. So you curate and catalyze global conversation. So the first thing for food that we had to do starting in 2013, when I launched this in January at the World Economic Forum in Davos, is like I whispered into all the rooms that I was in that personal health equals planetary health. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, at that time, they were not in the same rooms. Nutritionists, doctors, teachers, farmers, sustainability people, et cetera, et cetera, they were not in the same room. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that I really needed to work on for the first three years was sit in the rooms of um, the launch of Rockefeller Lancet Commission on Planetary Health, which was the first report that really said, okay, planetary health affects personal health. That should be so obvious, right? God, do we really need a freaking report that takes... Oh, God. But anyway, you know, this is just how that level of the world works, Mm -hmm, right? To mm -hmm. get credibility. Mm -hmm. And say, this is an agenda item. 
Right. This is actually one of the things that is most useful about platforms like the World Economic Forum, mm-hmm. right? No matter how elitist you might think it is, what what it's best used for is whispering in people's ears that this is an important agenda item for the world today, mm-hmm. and you should rally your resources in whatever way you can to basically achieve this agenda item. So that's that's what mm-hmm. those types of platforms are for and why I'm there. It's not mm-hmm. really going to help you yeah. execute on a daily basis, right? And it's, you're not there really just to satisfy your ego that, oh, I got to see Mick Jagger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's um, by the way, he's very smart. Had dinner with him. That's, but that's, that's not that's the point. <laughs> right? That's not the point. The point <laughs> is, is that I got to whisper, yeah. right? And you're, you're like the horse whisperer, right? Yeah. What I love about you, and, and I'm wondering if it's if it's really one of your special characteristics. You're like this whispering evolutionary solutionary. I'm trying to explain it so anybody can make it their superpower. Yeah. Right? It's just that I have been able to practice it more. Mm -hmm. But anybody, if I just explained it, you could just practice it, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a public speaking skill. It's not like Mm -hmm. only... I can speak on public stages. No, it's just like, because I failed a lot and Mm -hmm. got better. And if you just jump off that cliff, you can too. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to explain that you just need to be in the right rooms and create the vocabulary. This is what I learned when I was at Symantec. The people there for Symantec C++ for Windows, I was the product manager to launch this. Mm -hmm. And the VP was just like brilliant at marketing in the software industry. And... um, I learned from that team that basically if you create the vocabulary, you own it. You own that space, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have power to curate. So just think that way. Mm-hmm. So so a lot of my work is about writing in a snappy way that everybody can get behind. So one is conversation. Mm-hmm. The other thing to your point about curiosity and joy and why I spend so much time doing it is because if you look at the beginnings of the environmental movement, which which really started in the U.S. with um, Silent Springs, this book that talked about water pollution in, in the U.S., environmentalists have failed to get people to give a shit mm-hmm. about the environment. I mean, I just, as an environmentalist, I own up to that, right? And so I spent a lot of time starting in 2010 when I was starting to curate and catalyze this conversation called the China Dream, which ultimately became our national slogan, I went and around the world and interviewed people about how it is that you make behavior change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't interview environmentalists. And so I realized that one is we have to talk to people's hearts and not to people's heads. I love it. So yep. people will only change behavior because they feel loved and it, helps them uh, improve their sense of personal prosperity. You cannot guilt anyone into change. So that's the single most important lesson that I've learned. And so everything that I've done since then is not about guilting people or statistics only, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. it, Statistics are not the front-facing, front-line, the mm-hmm. pawns on the chessboard, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So one is people have to get out of victim mentality mm-hmm. and scientific statistics. So that just just get it off the chessboard mm-hmm. because we're playing the victim instead of picturing a vision of the world that we want to live in. 
And this is what Food Heroes is, is picturing the world where, you know, from an agricultural point of view, it's regenerative agriculture, permaculture, it's harmony Mm -hmm. with humans and nature. And um, from a from a consumer point of view, it's like being mindful mm-hmm. of our self-love and yeah. how it relates to food, right? So you mm-hmm. have to paint that vision, number one, and you have to paint it in excruciating detail, mm-hmm. so which means you need curiosity to ask yourself and ask other people, what does that world look like? Yeah. And then you need to gotta, you've got to love the shit out of that vision, yeah. right? Joy, yeah. joy. It, it makes so much sense when you when you come from an environment that nurtures that ability to be creative and expressive because, you know, that's that's such a huge, deep conversation. I a billion percent am on um, the side of we've got to get out of this sort of victim mentality because it doesn't help us. Kind of coming back to like, how do we see that world, particularly people who've, you know, and using even just an example uh, in the U.S., African-Americans. So there's actually generational oppression that's created a certain narrative in the collective consciousness, the same as in women, of, you know, yes, we're much more uh, positions of power and leadership. We can own our own companies. We have a voice. More women all over the world have more of a voice. But we're still kind of learning how to heal, how to heal what we've been taught. Because, you know, me working with a lot of different people from a lot of different diverse backgrounds, one of the things that I find in common is that we all want to be loved. We all want to feel like we matter, but our lenses, our experiences create our reality. And some, some, some people have a hard time imagining what's possible when all of the, when all they've seen is their box. So those people shouldn't be leading the change. Right. So they're, they're not right. They're not the, so just so everyone's clear is that those aren't the ones who lead the change, but eventually how, I guess my thing is, is like, considering all of these things that have influenced, right? We have years and years and years of an old paradigm that's literally breaking down. Um, how to outgrow those habits. Right. But I know that it's not that easy for so, so many So people. let me give you concrete yeah. things, okay? Yeah. So when we curated the China Dream, it was with the help of the global creative director of Saatchi and Saatchi S okay. globally, right? And he and his team created a workshop format for us to envision what the future of China could look like if we were all harmony with nature. And then what the nightmare would look like if we didn't live that dream, right? And then we brought in the head of Ogilvy Green in China. Then we brought in the CEO of Edelman in China and so on and so forth. So these master storytellers. And we led workshop after workshop of 25 people each approximately that's a good that's the right size mm-hmm. and then you have people bring in images and phrases and you literally rapidly prototype or curate what it is that this dream is there's actually what i created was called dream in a box and so that format can be used that process can be used over and over and over again the trick is to get sustainability people for because for me, mm-hmm. this was about a sustainable dream without saying it was a sustainable dream, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to have Chinese people because it's about China. And then you've got to have the storytellers. So you have to have those three elements equally within each of the 25-person workshops. And we did a lot of these. And then what happens is you put that vision mm-hmm. that everybody loves into people's heads and they subconsciously go execute on mm-hmm. it and bring other people who are aligned with that vision 
to that vision. So it all happens at a subconscious level almost, right? Mm -hmm. But you kick it off consciously, but, but this literally became the subconscious like meme, um, you know, and it just grew and grew and grew. But the point is, is that there is a concrete process whereby you, for anything, can create the vision of what blacks and yellows and purples and white, whatever colors we are, yes. can all live together without worrying about whether you're black, purple, or green or blue. Yeah, right? that's where that's where we want to go. And, you know, even back when my grandparents and people like, you know, Martin Luther King or Mandela were already seeding those kind of visions. Right. You know, I think it's a process. And something that you said in the beginning is like, you're always looking at how to grow. You're, you're in some, in some ways, what I love about what you're doing, it's a creative process. You have this framework. We're also working with the timing that we're living in now. Also, you know, this particular dream box was made specifically for China, but it sounds like it can be like a prototype, which is... It's a process that is just like advertising agencies, ideation process. You can use it for any brand. Mm -hmm. And then it's an activation as well, because you're doing 25, 25, 25, 25, right? Mm -hmm. And then with today's social media, that's like a huge ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. Because then Vogue writes about it, you know, the Marie Claire writes about it, Tom Friedman writes about it, boom, Xi Jinping talks about it when he gets into presidency. For a state of the so how how can we get this moving faster or this 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 is a process Mm -hmm. which I'm willing to share with anybody for anything that you want to create a vision for for me I'm doing it for food Uh right what is it like on an everyday basis when Mm -hmm. families sit down and eat or decide what they want to eat or go out to eat or go what what does that world look like Mm -hmm. I as a change maker, need to understand that fully. Mm-hmm. And then I need to have it as a collaborative process that we that we curate, but mm-hmm. it's collaborative. Mm-hmm. And that magnetizes energy to that vision. And then and, and then there's a lot of other processes. It's more detailed than that. But that's that's a very concrete thing. I'm saying it's not like mm-hmm. wishful thinking. This mm-hmm. has been done before mm-hmm. at China scale. China Dream is yeah. real. It's on billboards. It's on ads. It's like everywhere. It's mm-hmm. a, like a chop. Mm-hmm. It's a chop is a, like a. It's a Chinese signature. <laughs> like for like thing. a stamp. That means like a, a stamp, guys. Yeah. Chop means stamp. Here. Um, <laughs> so, so that's one. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to say to everybody. I don't care what you feel the victim of, whether you're female or whatever. So let me give you another uh, very specific example. Okay. Women. You mentioned women oppression. That's like one of my big hot buttons that I've worked on my whole life is women empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. So I started Phoenix Risen, which is about sexual violence, Mm -hmm. and now has turned into empathy courses. But recently, I wrote this LinkedIn article, Uh right? And it came out of, you know, my team meetings every morning, and I was like, Oh, I think I think I'm gonna have my period soon. Like I have this big zit on my chin, and then I was, and then we started to talk about in the team meeting. Hey, how do you react mm-hmm. when you have your moon cycle? Mm-hmm. Another word for period, right? Yep. And and then we just we just asked, and so like one girl just cries easily. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. very just she just absorbs energy. She becomes extremely empathetic. Another girl just gets very sleepy. Right. Mm-hmm. Another girl gets grouchy and mm-hmm. snaps and is short. So I started thinking about this during the team meeting. I was like, why don't we keep track of when our moon cycles start on the company calendar? And then if you 
if we know that you react by crying a lot, actually, let's think about that as a superpower. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you were creating a new product mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you wanted to do one of those one-way mirror focus groups for products to see how uh-huh. consumers like your new product. Right. Wouldn't it be better to have somebody who's truly empathetic and can sort of see through the mirror of like, how does that person really feel about the product? <laughs> because when they fill out the survey form, they might be lying because their consciousness is saying something their subconscious is, mm-hmm. is not, Right. The other woman, if she gets sleepy, why don't we create a little cocoon nap area and say, look, we're going to teach you how to do lucid dreaming, right? We're going to give you 45 minutes to nap or 20 minutes to nap, whatever the magic number is. But could you think about this one work problem, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And most likely you'll have epiphanies. Like I have epiphanies all the time when I'm lying in bed after I woke up and I'm just lying there sort of in my half woke uh, state, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's an example of where you completely turn around. So I wrote this LinkedIn article and, and it was very, very interesting to see the differences in reactions. Um, so some women were like, oh my God, this is what the world needs because this is the ultimate small behavior change that we need to get the feminine to be where it should truly be, respected as part of nature's cycle, right? Okay. And a source of power, mm-hmm. you know? So I did research and I'm like, oh, people used to save their blood and, and um, you know, placentas, for example, and yeah, put it different. into the garden. Yeah. So like this moon cycle, I was like, oh, I'll use my diva cup and I'll, I'll actually water my plants with my blood and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, so I was like, okay, well, why don't we just turn it around? Instead of being conditioned by eons of man-hating, like, feminine is bad, why don't we just, like, literally, with one small thing, if we were brave enough, if we bought into this just by removing the limiting belief that this is a lack of productive work time, but instead it's a superpower and we just need to work differently, then things could be really differently. So one guy wrote in and said, oh, I've actually been tracking my cycles, too, Uh with the moon. That's awesome. Yeah. And then another, <laughs> another woman said in her biology class, her teacher said in France, there was this factory that was having all sorts of accidents. And so somebody came in and started measuring all the facial hair shavings of the men in the factory. And then they started sinking over 40 days and they never had any more accidents. Wait, what? Say yeah. that. Like. My point is, is that men have cycles too. We're just ignoring. (laughs) Humans are ignoring that we are nature. Mm -hmm. We have separated ourselves in cities from nature Uh cycles. Uh We eat hormone-filled food that interrupts our endocrine cycle and all sorts of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So my my point is, this is like we've... to, to make the change that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. we've got to realize that we have been conditioned and Mm -hmm. we have to just make the decision. Mm -hmm. You can just do that. You can make the decision today to remove that limiting belief. If you realize that you have been conditioned and that that is a limiting belief, every single human has complete free will, but somebody's conditioned you to tell you that you don't have free will. That's right. You don't have power. But what that does is it also will keep us completely forever trapped in this victim savior mentality because we feel like we do not have power or control over our own reality, Mm -hmm. which brings me to the third concrete Mm -hmm. thing 
I think that anybody listening to the podcast named New World probably already knows this anyway, and is probably like lecturing about this in their own little community anyway, right? So let's just say we'll, that. We'll, we'll assume that, and maybe a few curious, like, well, I kind of feel something, but I don't really know, but I want to know. Right. So the other thing is... Um, you use the word remember, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that if you were just to listen with your heart to what I'm saying and what other people are saying in similar veins, then you would realize this is the truth. It's just that I've been lied to, right? I have been conditioned by people who want to make me smaller than I am, right? And so actually when I talk to my 14-year-old um, son, Mason, mm-hmm. he's very in tune with the new world. And so <clears throat> I've been recently sharing with him some of these these things that we're talking about. And I mean, he's he's been integrated into my work since literally a baby, right? Mm-hmm. And very much, you know, him and my 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I've recently started to say, you know, let me let me tell you why I'm a little concerned with how much time you and your roommate are spending on video games. And I don't want you to think that it's mommy trying to be like nagging mommy and like, I want you to do your homework and I'm afraid that you're not going to get straight A's. And it's actually not about that. Let me explain why. Right. And I think that if, and so explain why. And I'm like, I, I think you actually feel like, you know what I'm talking about. You remember this right? I don't actually have to say it to you. Um, and, and then he'll nod, like he totally knows, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm saying right now is just stuff that if you were to listen to your gut and your heart, you would, you would realize. But for me, somebody, if, if you're like me, you know, I'm a very head person. I was conditioned this way, right? So I'm a daughter first born in America. Um, daughter of an immigrant Chinese family, tiger mom, tiger dad, if there's such a thing. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, my dad, I remember in junior high school, when I was going into high school, we planned out every single class I would have for the rest of my four years. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) I went to MIT for electrical engineering, computer science. Then I went to McKinsey. Right. Mm -hmm. So my entire life, if you're familiar with those worlds is Mm -hmm. very type A, control, OCD, perfectionist. Um, I mean, whatever labels you, anal retentive, I mean, you can like look down the synonym list (laughs) of heady and like, that's me. Right. So my entire life has actually been a journey of remembering, right. Of Mm -hmm. being able to just flow like down uh, a stream versus plan everything up a stepladder. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, th- that's a much longer conversation of how I got there because I am now 51 and it did take me this long because I had all these blocks, right? But I had this one advantage that a lot of people in my anal retentiveness space do not, mm-hmm. which is when I was in college, my father brought me into a Qigong practice called the South Shaolin Temple uh, inner energy, one fingers in Buddhism, Qigong practice, right? And this is, a, I'm the 20th generation. And I, I started practicing this, and it's a very unique, practiced in secret, um, you know, lineage 
that allowed, well, forced me, let me say, forced me to stop thinking. Because, like, that's literally what the master will yell at you in Chinese, <laughs> in this Jackie Chan mean old teacher, you know, the karate kid, like yes. that master. Like, yes. <laughs> I don't care if you're still wiping the car wax or whatever. On, I, like, keep, yeah, keep doing it, you know, whatever. He's like that guy. And so he's like, don't think, no thinking, mm-hmm. right? So, that is super hard, especially if somebody doesn't explain why. Mm-hmm. Like my master doesn't explain why I'm doing any of the what stuff I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I went like <laughs> 20 plus years doing Qigong, not understanding the why of anything, mm-hmm. right? And um, I understand why he taught it that way, but but... In August 2017, I realized that if people could understand the essence of my Qigong practice, not practice it for 20 years Mm because that's almost impossible. Sooner, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to like cut to the chase and say like why this is important, right? (laughs) Um, If people could understand that, then they would understand that we are all one. And by the way, I can show it to you tangibly. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to say, oh, this is some Mm woo-woo quantum stuff I don't understand or whatever, right? Yeah. Like I can literally show it to you tangibly that we are one energy field. Mm -hmm. And you can command your energy, right? So, and by the way, you can project your energy, Right. So if I can show you that, then you understand why I'm an environmentalist, because the trees are part of this energy field. The squirrels are part of this energy field. The crystals and the elementals are part of this energy field. The soil and the mycorrhizal fungi are part of this energy field. Unfortunately, the eggs I eat are also part of this energy field. And the cockroaches are part of this energy mm-hmm. field. They're all sentient beings actually with a conscious energy that they can command right so so it's interesting you know without going to detailed explanations but you can tangibly physically i can tangibly physically demonstrate for somebody certainly within two hours a lot of times it's like within one hour and a lot of times it's even shorter than that I can have you feel energetically the sensation between your hand and somebody else's hand without touching, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you know that that is an electromagnetic thermal waveform, okay? So I'm an electrical engineer, so I like this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you explain to me, oh, it's a waveform, you know, destructive, constructive, interference, resonance, frequency. Like, I get that stuff. Uh-huh. That's like one o- electrical engineering 101 class freshman year, right? Mm-hmm. So, or physics, actually, mm-hmm. in high school. So I subconsciously have been living my life understanding that everything is energy and it's unified. But mm-hmm. I didn't really... I mean, sometimes I would mention it, like when I was a GM at Zaplet, I remember teaching my team Mm -hmm. about how to be a more effective salesperson in meetings and how to orchestrate the energy. And I remember using those words, but then I didn't really follow through with everything else, right? But it wasn't until I came out, I, I asked for permission in August 2017 to come out publicly, and I started to talk about this on stage, of how if you knew that this was the basic fundamentals of how the universe works, then you start to think about the entire universe 
differently and how you work differently, whether it's like I'm a professor of urban planning or Mm -hmm. sustainable urbanization for mayors in China. So the way that you design like transportation flows or something, right? Um, Chinese people might say feng shui in buildings, right? Um, Public spaces I lecture about, right? So all of that stuff has to do with like don't block, right? I mean, (laughs) it's like sort of obvious, but, but it actually... If you think about it in energy waves, for me, it's a lot simpler. And, 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 and it's, um, I don't have to like rely on going to the back to this business school jargon or a lot of vernacular that is like, I don't know, just, I don't know, just vernacular, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a lot more intuitive. So, you know, going back to nature cycles about moon cycles, like makes a lot of sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what I, what I, Anyways, I started to piece this all together in the last two years, right? And it wasn't until recently that I really started to question the way that I was describing how Juice has been so successful in creating massive China-scale change, right? Introducing smart grid to revolutionize the electrical grid, introducing eco-cities for the first time to mayors, and um, changing light bulbs from incandescence to energy efficient lights to the clean mm-hmm. energy in China mm-hmm. to China Dream, all of those things. Now China is the leader in the world, not just you know mm-hmm. interested in right uh, investing in in China. And so, I, I, I in the past I would introduce it with like something called the stone soup collaborative leadership framework and soft skills. And like, it's a very business schooly program. Um, you know, I did 40 interviews, actually 44, but 40 videos actually look good. Um, of very high level change makers around the world and, and created this whole curriculum. But now I look back at it and, and I have an additional layer now that I'm looking at it from an energetic point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can talk about things like social media or storytelling and, um, you know, how to align motivations across different stakeholders. Like that's the jargon that I was using. Mm-hmm. Not, not that I don't use it now because I always try to tie mm-hmm. back to something very practical that your audience can understand. So for example, with the Economist Innovation Summit, I talked about actually how do you, if you understand things in energy, how do you remove blocks, mm-hmm. right, in scaling innovation um, for um, how, the greening of China talks, I talk a lot about intention, right? The energy behind the intention that China puts behind all of these huge changes. Um, so, th- so just to try and cut to the chase, the thing that I learned was that um, we are one unified field, right? We're all fractals of part of the same unified field. And we are trying to learn about ourselves, right? So therefore, we come into this world forgetting who we are, as you sort of alluded to. We can't remember, most of us, although more and more people are coming into this world remembering. And then we have free will. So that gives us the stage to be an actor, to dive into any story that we have interest in and learn about ourselves. And through through T-Bird's learning of being a flute player, I, Peggy, can then learn how to be a flute player, mm-hmm. right? Because we are one. And I, you can learn about being an electrical engineer, right? That, you know, ends up changing China. So 
So one is, is that you have, so one, you know, I've sort of lifted, listed all these belief changes, sort of, sort of before and after point A to point B beliefs, right? Shifting. Some people call it 3D to 5D, whatever vernacular you want. Uh The point is, is like we're awakening to how it actually works versus the, just the physical way that it works. So again, the belief is, is that we're one unified field. We are one. We forget who we are. We have free will. Um, but if we are part of all this one source, this one creator, that means that we all can create. We are all, if you want to call it God, whatever vernacular you want to use, the all that is and nothing, the creator, the source, whatever, we, we all are that powerful. We can manifest reality at any moment. And in fact, we do at all moments. We shift realities at all moments. We just don't realize it. Right. And so... But that means that you have to take responsibility also. Mm-hmm. If you buy into this, this, you also have to buy into the fact that it's your shit. You caused it. Yeah. You chose it, mm-hmm. right? Because you want to learn from it, right? Yep. So, you know, so what I realized, what, so what I'm fascinated about is, well, how do you shift realities? Okay. So first of all, a lot of people are into this law of attraction thing and, manifesting a reality um which is true to a certain extent okay it's like if you vibe a certain vibe then people of the same vibe will come to you totally true right um but i think that when you say i'm going to manifest a better life you know, a lot of people start with spirituality, like, I want to manifest a car, I want to manifest a house, I want to manifest more money, or whatever, right? So the problem I've learned and been told is, is that if you think or in that mindset that you want to manifest a different reality with a car, and you don't have a car now, actually, what you're doing is you're buying into a limiting belief that there is a point A and a point B. And there is time and space between T-bird A and T-bird B where she does or does not have a car. Mm-hmm. So the problem is that that conflicts with another new belief that I have, which is that there, there, if you believe that there's no time, which increasingly our quantum physics is telling us, mm-hmm. I actually believe that it's not, it's all an infinite number of realities are not only possible, but they're, sorry, they are happening all, all at the, the same, same time. time. They call this all now moments, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. At any now moment, mm-hmm. all things are happening. You can be anything and you can be crap or you can be, was Saint Ter- Mother Teresa, right? Whatever. I mean, it's just like you're experimenting, learning about yourself, mm-hmm. and so and and then, and then the, another vernacular that a lot of people listening to this podcast might be familiar with. But each one of those are aspects of you, right? So the the problem with the law of manifestation is is that it's a limiting belief that says there are not all these infinite realities that are happening all at the same time. Mm. So what I've been taught is this law of availability, which is that you can just jump. So imagine a hair comb, like a man's hair comb that's standing up straight, and the spine of that hair comb is you. It's all aspects of you. Mm -hmm. It is yourself. And then every spine, every tine, then goes horizontally into time space right linear Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's a reality Mm -hmm. and so then the question is well how do you jump from one reality to another so what i've been told is is that you have to just say 
I'm curious about that other reality. What would it be like if T-Bird was Chinese in, in Mongolia and like, mm-hmm. e- you know, eating lamb instead of being vegetarian? So my point uh-huh. is it like, what if, you know, be curious, ask the what if question mm-hmm. and then feel intense joy as if you were living in that Feeling. reality. Now, the reason is because the moment of creation of the universe it, the universe was created by love. I mean, I think the Bible says that in like every other religion, right? The universe was created out of God's love, right? And so what that means actually is, is that the the love and, and joy right below it, those, those are the vibrations, the frequencies of the moment of creation, of the act of creation, mm-hmm. right? So you, and you are a creator. So you have control. You just need to command the thought of what if, right? You use the word imagination. So it begins, imagination begins with thought of what if, and then it turns into a feeling of joy, right? So now so, when you say command, yeah. can you just talk just a little bit about the difference between command and demand? Because when I think of demand, it's coming from that point A to point B. That's what I'm thinking of it right, from. So, right. Or a wish or a Yeah, want. like I want that. Yeah, so, desire. Actually, yeah, I just break that down so everybody yeah. can like understand Command and as opposed right, to demand, right? So, huh, demand or desire is a feeling of want of lack. It's from a point of lack. I'm not there, so therefore I desire it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you go back, this is a very difficult ex- exercise to, to digest, and I'm doing it every moment. Is practicing this is to think of everything as energy waves, and energy waves only, right? And so when I say command, actually, what I'm saying is command energy waves mm-hmm. okay this is like going back to my chi practice like i know what this feels like to command energy but what's happened is a lot of people have been conditioned to remove their mind from their body and their emotions so they're not in control of their emotions and they sit in front of a computer for four, okay this is me four hours a day maybe longer and like they totally forget about getting up and eating or like they totally for, like my legs go numb mm-hmm. still to this day right because I'm sitting in one position for like hours and so so what happens is we forget to be sensitive to the energy around us right and so so, and you know, each, every single sentence I'm saying here, like you can break it down for another hour. So uh-huh. forgive me, but I'm trying to just like try to make it as simple as possible. But command energy is um, using your brain, right, to create thought. Your brain, your EEG tells you that your thought creates an electric field, an electric wave, right? This creates a feeling. Now, the heart has a hundred times stronger electrical field than the brain, and it has up to five thousand times stronger magnetic field than the brain. And one of the interesting things is not only that, but the the heart contracts, so it goes boom, boom, mm-hmm. right? So it, when it sends out a wave, it's actually really intense. Mm-hmm. But the brain is made out of, I think, 86 billion neurons, this neuroscientist said from University of Sussex, Anil Seth. I was just, you know, at dinner with you, with Uh him, right? Remember, I think it was 86 billion Mm -hmm. neurons. Well, the heart has, I think it's 46,000, I may be like 40,000 or 46,000 sensory neurons that are completely separate from the brain, remember and think separate from the brain, right? And the, the gut is another brain, right? But my point 
is, is that the feelings actually are much stronger energetic wave than the brain, but the brain can trigger feelings. So basically what you want to do is be in command of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Then what you want to do is be in command of your emotions, right? And you have to understand. So, so emotions, a lot of what people need to do in today's world is to learn how to ground their energy. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I won't go into that whole thing. You can do a whole nother podcast with somebody on how tips for how to ground. Mm -hmm. Then you need to learn to experience an emotion like grief sadness, and even joy as just an energy Energy. wave that is Mm -hmm. passing through you and it's not stopping in you. Mm -hmm. Because all of energy is in constant state of motion, it can never stop. I think I read recently last week that you have to get to negative 8 Kelvin to get an atom's vibration to stop, right? It's motion to stop, which actually is physically impossible in this 3D world. So, so energy is designed to be in constant state of motion. You've heard of entropy, yeah. right? So, so you, you, you need to just look at emotions as an energy wave. It really helps, honestly, to detach, mm-hmm. just to look at it as an energy wave. Even love mm-hmm. is just an energy wave. Don't be so deta- detached or attached or whatever, whatever that dependent, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's just an energy wave that goes through you and then you let it run through you when you clear it if necessary. Mm-hmm. You, 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 there's, a phys, there's a thought process that you can actually clear it. Then you, then you can have the practice of protecting yourself from other people's energy entering mm-hmm. your energy field. Right? If, you, if you think of everything as energetic fields, you can start thinking about it in a very electrical engineering way, which mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So this like totally, you know, yeah. like totally makes sense to me. So so then what you do is you command joy, but then you have to know how to call it. Mm-hmm. And not everybody rem- knows how to call up joy. Mm-hmm. They have to like, they have to get into a practice, mm-hmm. create the muscle memory of feeling joy, mm-hmm. right? So then what you do is you realize that you have to create the vessel, which is the vision, which is what we just spent all this time talking about. There is a process of creating the vision. And that is putting energy into a particular energy footprint, right? And then what happens is people who are aligned and in sync with that, so same frequency, mm-hmm, right, with mm-hmm. that energy wave of that vision will naturally find you. That's the law of attraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People who are not aligned will fall away, and it's okay. We don't need everybody to crowd into my vision, right? right. It's my vision, yep. and not, not everybody, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why, like, Buddhists are like, hey, it's okay if you don't buy in, right? It's a, like, mm-hmm. that's part of why, right? So, so what you need to do is understand that every moment in space, a particular place in, in a geographical physical space, plus the objects around you, which are just standing waves of slow moving matter Mm -hmm. and a point in time is actually just a particular energy fingerprint. You can mathematically calculate it if you had a computer with a gazillion nano, you know, uh, <laughs> particle accelerators and all sorts of stuff, which we don't have today. But the, the point is, is like, you can, you can think about this and command it. So then if you want to create a world reality, that's different than T-Bird's reality, then you need to learn how to master this 
at a collective level. Mm-hmm. How do you get more and more people to to help envision this and help be attracted to get people who are aligned and in sync with that energy frequency to come as quickly as possible? Then what happens is you realize then there's this whole new world, you know, word of synchronicity, mm-hmm. which it, I love the Celestine Prophecy, which I think came out in the 70s or something as the New York Times bestseller for, for years. That was my Bible, my mm-hmm. first Bible. And, well, not my first Bible, but it was really my first first actual Bible and it all it talks about listening Mm -hmm. to the universe's signals and those are quote-unquote synchronicities but what's what's actually happening is is that your um what I explained before is is that your subconscious is much stronger entity to command or project Mm -hmm. energy waves than your conscious Okay, your consciousness is actually full of limiting beliefs. So, and it doesn't really command very well. Whereas your subconscious, it's just out there and it's dreaming and it doesn't know that it's not supposed to project energy, it's just doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, it just projects energy and um, attracts the, the things that need to happen to make this reality happen. And the more people that you can get aligned to put their electromagnetic um, waves into this vision, the more quicker it happens, right? Mm-hmm. So this is actually, now I look back on what has happened at Juice and I realize that this is actually what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. And I knew it wasn't always like, I'm really smart. <laughs> no. Well, it's like you kind of went through it and now you're like looking, I'm looking back, back and back realizing. And like realizing, I mean, like I said, right. even from when I met you, two and a half years just ago right now like literally feeling it I mean in the room everybody as I'm listening to her you can I'm sure you can feel it through this audio is you can feel the room is filled with energy because you can actually feel taste sense smell see possibility just by how we command our energy like it opens up a whole new like way of feeling like okay I can just get into this practice right. of unconditioning, it is just a practice, a practice a as opposed to I've got to be bad, I've got to like make a drama over, I've got to do all these things. Right. It's like something that you can actually do right now right. and get really good at and right. you know take it step by step. And so what I loved is just all of these incredible tips as well as opening up this new way of looking at things so we can find our way in so that it's not such a black and white thing. It's like wow, this is actually a personal thing because I can literally choose because I have free will of what I want to create. How do I want to feel? What do I want What do I want to experience by f- getting into it, like sending that intention in there? And and I, I, I can't say this enough, literally listening and watching how you're putting this together and even, yes, you know more now, but I'm even seeing you being delighted by getting on board of discovering even more of what's happening as you allow yourself to become more of this energetic frequency while inspiring others, you know, to kind of get on the same bus without telling them you need to do this, but like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Even the way that you're speaking and uh, the words that you use and bringing in, well, let's look at our cycle and how everything is connected. And, you know, a couple of days ago, you said, let's throw out these certain plans and like be in the flow. That is like creation itself. Right. And so I'm excited to see what else is going to come through as you continue to practice this more. 
um, as well as I'm sure everyone who's listen who's listening out there now is like, oh my god, either totally on bus. It I makes agree. sense. It makes complete it makes sense, right? Sense. So I just want to like you know again to summarize. One is we have to move from being conditioned as consumers of the world to creators of the world and take responsibility for that. We have to learn how to build energy within us. First of all, we have to understand that we are energy. Then build that energy. Then we need to store it, not let it dissipate. Then we need to project it. Well, we need to build it, and then we need to project protect ourselves from negative energies that we don't want. That When I say negative, I mean just not aligned. And actually, I'm beginning to less and less like the word negative and positive yes. energies because it's really just... And energy is just not on your frequency, mm-hmm. but it's, it's trying to learn about itself. Let it go. Just don't intersect with me, please. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to move away from all judgmental words. Yeah, it's like a practice. Duality. It's uh-huh. a practice. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like if, if people listening to this podcast probably are used to using the word non-duality and duality and positive polarity and negative polarity mm-hmm. or whatever. But now I'm increasingly you know, thinking, and I explained this a little bit during the open meeting, why, but like just move towards an energy frequency, a wave pattern that is not in sync with yours. Mm -hmm. And just like say, no, thank you. I'm, it's like a skew is a, Mm -hmm. is a mathematical geometry word, right? Like you want to be skewed to that, like not intersect within a 3d world with Mm -hmm. that energy wave. Right. So um, so, so protect yourself. Then you need to learn how to project it. You need to command it energy Then you need to project it and you need to learn how to sustain the projection. Okay. So this is what my chi practice has taught me, although it wasn't explained this way. Um, but now I'm putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. right? I'm putting the consciousness verbiage with the chi practice, with all my change making stuff from a business point of view. And I'm like, get, I, I now I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it because mm-hmm. of all these three pieces coming together. So it, the more I look at everything, just like an energy matrix, it, it, you know, it takes away a lot of the grief, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people are experiencing grief because we're going through a lot of change. We will continue to go through a lot of change. We are letting go, meaning collapse, <laughs> environmental collapse, you know, old systems of currency, governance, whatever. It is collapsing mm-hmm. because it is. we are in a cycle where it's time to refresh. It's not working. Mother Earth, whose ascension being, is like, get the fuck off right Mm -hmm. um and stop doing this Mm -hmm. but so this is a cycle that again energy is always in motion it's never going to stay the same so if you're on the top you're like a billionaire you're not going to be able to stay on top it's just the natural way of the universe so the only thing we can do is to to accept the belief that energy is always in motion in other words change is the only constant Mm, right mm. in other words we need to accept that change is the only constant and then learn the skills to be like bruce lee says be like water my friend or whatever he says right i should go back and listen to his little uh <laughs> cantonese accent uh, but um so so the point is is that the, the interesting thing about my work again that i'm realizing why i did this work is that china is the only country 
that has changed at giga scale, at giga pace, but in a harmonious manner. Mm. So it's actually the only country that has built the skills to adapt to change at such large scale, at such large pace. Everybody else is going to fall apart because they haven't practiced, they don't have the muscle memory to adapt to change. So this is what I am going around the world constantly now to say, this is what you can learn from China to answer your first question. When you walked in today, what can you learn from China? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's like, how do you adapt, right? To change. And then when you have that attitude, you are not filled with grief because you realize that you are in control, actually. Mm -hmm. You just need to get it together and learn how to command and take control. And then, you know, and then you say, okay, I'm going to create my own reality. I'm going to create a new collective reality because let's go. I know how to do it now. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you don't try to protect the status quo because that's just like it takes too much energy. And it's resistance, mm-hmm. right, to to energy moving. It's like you trying to stop a tsunami in the ocean by mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. your lone self, right? Or even the two of us couldn't do that. Nope. Even the four of us couldn't do that. Even, like, the thousand of us couldn't do that, right? I mean, it's just like it's going to move, right? <laughs> yeah. And, like, the whole solar system is going through that change right now. It's mm-hmm. actually not just the Earth. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 so this type of energy framework, honestly helps you emotionally deal with that. And then it helps you realize, okay, the best thing that I can do as a person is get my own shit together Mm -hmm. to do all the stuff that I just told you about, right? With energy. And then, um, help other people realize this so they can get over grief because grief is creates stasis or paralysis. Mm -hmm. They just want to run into the forest and hide until they die. And then they're like, what the hell do I tell my six month old? Yeah. Right. Yeah. When she can grow up and talk that like she's not going to she may not Not be around, actually. So, um, you know, maybe the whole humanity won't go extinct, but there's going to be a lot fewer of us, honestly. So. So 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 that and then the last thing is learn how to envision a successor civilization so we can help humanity move towards it. Right. So to answer your question, when you first walked in here tonight, what can you do, T-Bird? What can we do? Uh That's the answer. Go back and listen to this podcast and do all that stuff. Yep. Do all that stuff and do it from your beautiful, unique gifts and talents and perspectives. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it. That's it. Did you guys get that? Yeah. That's all. So for me, I I like have to, I realize I have to listen to podcasts five times over because I get about 10% the first time I'm listening. Sometimes I fall asleep because I don't like audio podcasts. I don't know why it just puts me to sleep. Mm -hmm. So I usually listen to podcasts five times over Mm -hmm. and there is so much dense information here that I am just touching at the tip of the iceberg for every single sentence that I just said. And then you can go in and look at Greg Braden, The Divine Matrix, Matt Kahn. You can look at Buddhist work like um, the the book of um, uh, Living and Di- uh, what is it? The living and De- Living and Dead or Living and Dying or something like that. How to how to do collective hospice, mm-hmm. right? Not just individuals hospice. You can look at my speeches on China Dream because I've done a lot of speeches. I've done a lot of writing about this process already, although not in great detail, but just generally speaking. Um, You can, um, you know, look at Qigong and and any type of energetic practice, actually. Mm -hmm. I have a particular lineage, but other lineages sort of touch upon it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, 
listen to this and then go be curious and go dive in to other resources. Um, and then you, I think that once you settle into this new belief system, for me, what I realized is I started changing every single aspect of how I show up in this world today, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in a radical way, yeah. radical way. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fast. And so when you, I mean, for people of this podcast, they must be, you know, familiar with like the word awakening, right? Mm-hmm. Like and the world is awakening and mm-hmm. like the universal energies are shifting so that consciousness is, you know, we're, we're becoming conscious faster and, you know, all this stuff. Really what it is, is like we're understanding this, mm-hmm. this concept. That's, so let me just shortcut it. So yeah, hopefully more you don't have to like wait until you're yeah. 51 to understand all this <laughs> stuff, right? Just like shortcut. Uh-huh. Right. All this stuff, like a lot of the channelers, a lot of the spiritual mediums, a lot of the, you know, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever readers that you're looking into, the Buddhists, the Zen, especially the Zen Buddhists, they talk in a lot of riddles. Mm-hmm. And so they touch upon all this stuff, but I really didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I have been to masters. I've been to a lot of these people. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Now, with this belief system, the way that I laid it out, I get it. We just have to get this out, this message out to as many people in the way that they can understand That's it. Right. And so the, if you're listening and you buy into this, the first thing is be curious. But the, the other thing is as fast as possible, get to the successor, envisioning the successor civilization, mm-hmm. you know, task mm-hmm. yeah. together with others as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Do not put energy into what is happening today, because if you buy into what I just said, what you're doing is you're adding energy to the reality of what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're giving fuel to the fire. We do not want today's fire. We want to move to, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow's light mm-hmm. or, you know, t- yes. the today's light that already exists. We're just not in it. That's right. It's a game changer to switch the way that we have been conditioned, the way we think in that way to shift into a new reality. It's not necessarily, it's not impossible and it's not hard but it may feel hard when you're not used to it until you get into a practice so you have to keep practicing and so um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and for everything that you do and inspire and that you've given us and I know you're about to go out there and zoom it in the world again just being more energy and light and spreading it and it is so amazing Peggy, it's all fun. fun. If if people wanted to find out more about what you're doing, how how could they get in touch with you? Well, with Food Heroes, we're always looking for volunteers. We're looking for corporate sponsors. We're looking for parents who can bring this knowledge into schools. We're looking for um, people who really can devote, ideally, two months of their full-time effort to come in and help. And then I will teach you. A lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, how do you actually put this into action of changing the world? So that's foodheroes.org, foodheroes.org. Then my overall organization, Juice, is spelled J-U-C-C-C-3-C-E.org. It stands for Joint U.S.-China Collaboration on Clean Energy, although it's a little bit of an outdated name. So it's just juice.org. You can learn about some of the programs that I, I talked about. Um, I'm on Facebook a lot, um, mainly writing so that I can test out what resonates with people. So I'm, I'm, I, I post a lot on Facebook at Shanghai Peggy. Mm-hmm. Then it repeats on Twitter. So Twitter is actually not where I do new posts. It's just it automatically forwards. 
Um, I post more businessy uh, articles. I'm just starting to do that, but not like more thought leader type of mm-hmm. image articles, um, like how U.S. and China can engage. Uh, you know, message to Greta haters. I did do the moon cycle, like how to bring the moon cycle mm-hmm. to work. Um, that was on LinkedIn. That was on LinkedIn, yeah. right? So I'm experimenting with that platform again, just to see what resonates because everybody has a different vernacular. I think getting it, learning about what Peggy's up to, getting involved in, in food heroes, um, going to LinkedIn, reading her articles, seeing how you can jump in. The best way to learn is to experience. You can to volunteer yeah. at juice.org, yeah. J-U-C-C-C-E.org, three C's and yeah. E.org. You can volunteer yeah. with us, right? Yeah, that's what I would do. Find out more about her, dig deep. Listen to this podcast and just get inspired. And you go out there and you rock it. You rock it too. Right. Thank you so much, Thank Peggy. You, oh, I Thank love you. you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll join you next week. <laughs>